Good day, listeners. Welcome to our third podcast. The topic today is the Iran's nuclear deal and uh, the current developments. Uh, as we know, recently the US president has announced uh, that the US will be pulling out of the deal due to its unfavorable nature. The US is currently in a crossfire with, with its allies, particularly with France, UK and Germany, which are seeking to preserve the deal. We will discuss various developments and possible future implications both internationally and domestically in Iran. So let's proceed with the issues at hand. Yes, so the first, uh, first part we'll, we'll be addressing is, uh, it will be a slight introduction in the current affairs regarding Iran's nuclear deal. Yes, so uh, could you give a slight introduction in, uh, in the current affairs with regard to the uh, Iran's nuclear deal? Uh, this current deal uh, is the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, is uh, the actual name of the deal itself. Uh, it was signed between Iran and you know six other members, uh, the five members of the Security Council, US, Russia, China, UK, France, and the one non-Security Council member, Germany. So it was a seven-party uh, deal that was signed. It was a deal that made sure that you know Iran will stop uh, its uh, or reducing its enrichment activities, uh, nuclear enrichment, and in compensation for that, sanctions will be lifted, and Iran could trade uh, with the rest of the world. So this was uh, how the deal developed, or this was uh, one of the major achievements of uh, the Obama administration of the United States. And the current situation is that the present US president, Donald J. Trump, has pulled out of the deal. And this has got a lot of questions that needs answering because the pullout was just a few days ago. Yes, uh, thank you, Roga. And uh, we have heard in the in news that uh, Trump has reiterated many times that the deal is unfavorable for the US and the, the deal is, isn't working as it should be. Could you maybe clarify why, why it is not unfavorable and what are the, what are the most, uh, what, are, what are the elements of the deal that are, are not working currently? I don't know if anything is not working at this point, at least as far as the latest report concerns, even by the IAEA, Iran was actually sticking to the deal. But, uh, I think it is not whether the deal was working itself, but in the eyes of the Trump administration, some of his close, uh, you know, advisors were sometimes called hawks, you know, because they won't <clears throat> have a certain viewpoint and they're completely against Iran for various other factors. Want this deal scrapped for a completely different kind of reason. I mean, they want complete stoppage of nuclear enrichment. A complete stoppage of uh, anything to do with, you know, arms. Uh, I mean, the influence in the Arab Peninsula and also, you know, to support uh, Israel's, you know, policies there. So it was the people that felt that the deal was not comprehensive was because it didn't address issues not just about the nuclear enrichment, but it didn't address the overall issue where Iran was involved. As far as the deal itself is concerned, it was quite comprehensive because it made sure that you know Iran reduces its enrichment drastically, and you know it gave a time frame where you know they had to make sure that out of the twenty thousand centrifuges that Iran had, 
it will be allowed to use only 5060 of them. So you know you see it's about one fourth of centrifuges that can be used and this will be the case until 2026. So they can't use any more than you know 5060 until uh, any more than that until 2026. And you know Iran's stockpile was reduced by 98 percent because of this deal. And you know they cannot exceed this limit. I think it was about 300 kilograms. Uh, that is all they were allowed to use until 2031. So this deal had effective mechanisms in terms of uranium enrichment. In terms of plutonium pathway, Iran was told that they cannot use any of the plutonium because plutonium is used in making nuclear arsenal, you know, weapons. It was made sure that Iran will not be allowed to do or reconstruct any of their nuclear reactors uh, to have plutonium enrichment. And the existing plutonium will also, if at all it's used, will be used purely for the purpose of nuclear energy. And any excess nuclear waste will be sent back to countries where, you know, storage of nuclear waste is held and Iran could not hold anything. This is just in terms of enrichment of the nuclear, you know, components themselves. When it comes to covert activity, in the sense, you know, people believe that Iran is secretly building nuclear weapons, post-deal, IAES found since 2009, there is no evidence or no valid evidence to state that Iran has been in, has been producing anything in the direction of nuclear arsenal. And Iran even agreed that IAEA could have unfettered access to them, provided they give a 24-day 24 24 notice. And in case Iran fails to keep up to that notice, uh, you know, a member committee consisting of eight members will actually, you know, sit on a panel and decide whether Iran needs to be sanctioned or not. So in essence, you know, Iran actually gave up a lot or, you know, the Iranian government under the current, uh, you know, president Rouhani made sure that, you know, they gave up a lot so that they could have trade benefits. So in that sense, as far as just the nuclear armament itself is concerned, it was a very successful deal because it provided guarantees that Iran will get trade in exchange so that the global powers, not just the West, including Russia and China, and also the International Atomic Energy Agency will have, you know, unfettered access to see what they're doing so that nothing wrong happens. So this was how the deal worked. And now the current U.S. administration has pulled out of the, this deal. Thank you, Raga. Indeed, the deal seems to be very, uh, very comprehensive and covering the, the aims of it, uh, with regard to the prohibition of uh, nuclear weapon development in Iran, and uh, prohibiting them to uh, enrich the uranium. Uh, do you believe that uh, this uh, this decision by the U.S. could be part of uh, Donald Trump's uh, election promise to? I mean, he, he mentioned that he would cancel the deal because, as we see, that Iran has, has been complying with the deal. So maybe you, maybe you could comment I, on this. I'm not sure if it's exactly just an election promise. I think then he could have scrapped it earlier as well. I think the change of guard within his you know, foreign policy, you know, change of guard and you know, Mike Pompeo taking to be the Secretary of the State of the United States, all of this prompted, you know, this anti-globalist view that he's having, you know, 
he is not just pulled out of this deal, he is also pulled out of the climate change agreement, he has pulled out a lot of trade deals. So it is just a continuation of this. I mean, partially, yes, these were also, you know, his promises when he was running for the president. So in that sense, yes. But it is also the effect that, you know, his advices provide. And, you know, Donald Trump has been close to Israel. And in that sense, Israel is one of the benefactors of the scrapping of this deal. And the other big benefactor of this deal is, of course, Saudi Arabia, because, you know, they are regional rivals, Saudi Arabia and Iran. Uh, they are both considered to be guardians of two different sects of Islam, you know, the Saudi Arabian, you know, or the Saudi government and also the clergy in Saudi Arabia are supposed to guard the values of uh, Sunni Muslims and Iran is supposed to be the guardian of Shia Islam uh, for the entire world. So in that sense, it's a 1,300 year old conflict and, and I think Saudi Arabia will be very happy and pleased that this deal has you know, been scrapped. So it's not just a US-American uh, you know, election promise, it has wider impact and wider global uh, influence or a wider glo global impact as to how this deal has been scrapped and who are the beneficiaries. Yes, thank you. Indeed, the deal seems to be grasping a quite wide scope internationally and it, it has been a it has been and it still affects many many countries involved in the process. As you mentioned, there are seven uh, seven members of the Joint Comprehensive Action Plan, and uh, also the scrapping of deals is, <clears throat> is uh, very important for for regional powers like Israel and, and Saudi Arabia, as you mentioned. Could you please comment on uh, on the implications for the United States of scrapping the deal? Are there uh, are there any 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 sanctions possibly for for cancelling the deal or? How does it work? The U.S. will have no sanctions on itself, but the U.S. could sanction Iran. We need to understand that sanction won't work the other way around. Iran's sanctions will not affect the U.S. in any credible manner. And the other thing is, to be honest, I think today the U.S. Treasury Office has already informed uh, Boeing to scrap its $20 billion deal with uh, the Iranian national carrier. So actually the first... Uh, you know, how to say it, the first die to fall is actually is uh, an American company, not the Iranians in this case. So uh, the first victim of uh, the entire scrapping of the deal is actually an American company. I mean, but there's also this question about Donald Trump's dislike for Boeing as well. And people, I mean, conspiracy theories might go into the other direction and say, oh, he targeted Boeing for this. But no, but the first casualty here is uh, Boeing, which has been asked to scrap the deal because it might not uh, be, you know, completely valid according to them. So, you know, so this, this because it's starting to have the sanctioning process again. But there's a time limit, you know, there's a 90-day time limit where sanctions will start coming into force and a 180 days by which the complete sanctioning process will be complete. So in 180 days, you know, all the sanctioning that the US wants to do will come into effect, at least as of now, unless there's a change of heart or change of situation. So that is one thing, you know, how the sanctions can't be applied very next day, but you know, you need time to prepare for these sanctions as to who will be sanctioned and how it will be sanctioned. 
And another important thing here that we need to notice is the role of uh, European powers. Yes, uh, we, sh we should address now to the issues with regard to the, to the European powers. And uh, we heard in the news that, uh, that the U UK, France and, and Germany uh, had, uh, had kind of uh, a unified stance with this regard. And they, they are not willing to pull out of the deal. And also, uh, Europe kind of feels that the US is uh, kind of moving away as, as an ally from them. They commented that uh, Europe shouldn't rely on the, on the US military assistance anymore so much as they, as they did before. Do you think there, there could be any such implications? That could, would the deal, would the scrapping of the deal by the US uh, provide some implications on their relationships with, uh, with EU and, and the US? I mean, ever since Donald Trump came into power, the relationship between uh, the US and its allies in Europe have been a bit tumultuous. And this is just an extension. But now the questioning is how will the sanctions work? You know, if a certain company or industry is sanctioned, Anybody who works with that company also gets into trouble for, you know, working with a sanctioned company or a sanctioned person or sanctioned agent. So that will be the consideration of the European powers because now none of the European companies will be willing to work with, uh, you know, Iran, though they would like to. I mean, there's a fear. Though the governments suggest that, you know, they don't want to and they would like to keep the deal, we'll have to see what is the implication for companies. Because there are companies from Europe, you know, that have their facilities in the US or have banking transactions that go via the US. If they are sanctioned, those assets could be frozen just because they dealt uh, with an Iranian company or an Iranian person that was already under the US's radar of sanctions. So we'll have to wait and watch as to how these sanctions will affect companies, but yes, uh, well, the question about you know Europe sticking to it is that you know this is one of the as I said as far as the deal itself is concerned that is one of the best ways of you know keeping an enrichment program in check because the amount of access Iran was willing to provide now that the US has pulled you know there is also the question of how much the Iranians will trust the others and there is not a big problem uh, for Iran trusting Russia and China but it's a question of how much uh, Iran will trust, uh, you know, the EU members that are or the European members that are part of the deal. So that's a question that needs to be answered. Though as of now, it seems that it will be Iran plus five instead of Iran plus six. But we'll have to wait and watch if uh, the European powers will, you know, uh, whittle under the weight that is being provided by the US. And this is a wait and watch game at this point, but you know there are multiple outcomes that could come. You mentioned the trust issues with uh, with regard to the European powers, but they they are willing to preserve the deal. Would you think Iran would would not trust them with this regard? Like if if they if they if they would agree to keep the deal as as it is currently. It is not just a question of uh, Iran seeking to deal. We also need to understand the internal workings of Iran. Mr. Rahani is actually considered a moderate who was willing to open up the government for which in Iran the hardliners 
or the conservatives in Iran thought that he was getting too close to the West and they felt, you know, the moment the US president pulled out of the deal, the hardliners in Iran were really happy because, you know, they are winning their battle, internal battle in the sense, not in the sense of conflict, but, you know, political battle saying, okay, we always said don't trust the Americans, they've proved us right. So though Mr. Rouhani won a landslide victory in the election last year in Iran, we are not sure if he'll win another election or if he'll even be allowed to, you know, stand with the same standing because all his political opponents will simply say, look, he trusted the wrong people. Look, and now we are suffering because of this. The Americans pull out, sanctions come back, all the growth that we've done in the past few years just goes down into the drain. And, you know, we cannot really say how the Europeans will react because they've also, you know, made of the same, uh, you know, ideological thinking of the Americans. And, you know, this is not good for them. And Fahim, please. Yeah, uh, I would like to say that for Iran, it shouldn't be a problem to uh, preserve this deal with the European powers plus Russia and China. But current news that uh, I'm not really sure, but they are also planning to meet with the French president. The um, Hassan Rouhani is planning to, and the uh, French president planning to meet with each other to talk about this deal. But it's very unsure whether they will meet or not. And uh, another thing is uh, about this deal, I would say it's more like a political move from uh, US because of uh, certain giving certain kind of uh, benefits to Saudi Arabia and uh, Israel because they are the kind of major power in the region and also because of this uh, different school of thoughts between Muslim like Shia Muslims and Sunni Muslims and both countries does not have really good relations between each other like Russia or not Russia but uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran and Iran and Israel and also current developments uh, what how they did uh, uh, strikes on uh, Iran's uh, infrastructure in Syria and uh, there was not uh, provided any uh, specified uh, specific reports that uh, Iran attacks on uh, some kind of military bases on in uh, Syria so this also matter in in a way and uh, as far uh, Trump is a uh, more closer to Israel so it's, uh, I think it's a political move to give uh, benefits and sanctions uh, Iran more. And about this deal, uh, Iran can uh, trust on uh, European powers which are the part of the deal to, because of they, there is no any reports against uh, Iran that they are uh, secretly uh, creating this uranium or arsenal uh, weapons. But uh, how they give this assess, it's more uh, visible way for European power to see how they are committed to their uh, deal. Like they give this uh, assess, all assess to uh, International Atomic Energy Center. So they can check anytime also they, uh, all the parties of this deal, they also had this uh, uh, assess to go through how they are going to do with this uh, power and but the amount which they get in to assess this for this uh, nuclear uh, program it's really less so even with that amount they cannot produce these uh, weapons so I, I would say that uh, the the deal was really good to keep peace in the region but uh, 
currently situation is not really favorable for the region as well not only for saudi arabia iran and uh, israel but all the region thank you for him yeah, we'll we'll now turn on the on the implications in the arabian peninsula and in the region generally the region itself has been very vibrant uh, within the past years i mean there has been the I would say violent and survival. Yes, but we, yes we I understand say, the idea. Yes, you could say violent. I mean, with the beginning with Syria, following with the with the other issues with, with that regard, the involvement, involvement, yeah, involvement of Russia as well, and recently the United Arab Emirates uh, deployment in in Yemen as well. How do you think the? Isn't this an an act of aggression against Iran? Um, combined with the israeli strikes on uh, on iran's uh, military in in syria one we cannot call this an act of aggression because every country has its right to pull out or be part of a deal so that's not an act of aggression uh yes but the attacks on the iranian installments by israel is an act of aggression but it is also that we have unverified reports of also israeli points being attacked in golan heights which is once again occupied territory but still under israeli control so one act of aggression and then the second one becomes an act of defense so this question of you know who attacked who first first needs to be established and the question if that's the case it it is yes it's a wider ploy but you know just pulling out of the deal cannot be considered an act of aggression but of course the source the source relationship between the world powers and also source the relationship between iran and the us i mean it was just trying to build up softly and slowly but now that's uh, not going to happen anytime in the recent or no the foreseeable future is it, could I comment please yes please do you, do you think it was actually a rational decision by the us to pull out currently because the the region has has been troublesome for the past years i mean there are so many issues so why would they why would they seek to complicate it even more one i don't know if i would consider this a rational decision but it's a very political decision like fahim said one because you know the us feels that its allies are being threatened by the close proximity of iranian troops because Syria is just uh, above Israel and when you have you know troops very close to Damascus which is uh, not very far from the Israeli border then yes you know it's a way of sending a message saying okay i mean you could have one deal that you think everything will work but you know we are not going to let you mess with our allies that's one way of saying it and also because uh, Saudi Arabia is also a long term ally of the United States So it's another way of saying okay you are now trying to have proxy conflicts with our long term ally and we are not going to let it happen the reason being uh, the Bashar al-Assad government in Syria has been supported by Iran uh, the Houthi rebels in Yemen is being supported by Iran uh, when you know the Arab states wanted to have a blockade with Qatar Iran pro made sure that the blockade will essentially be ineffective by providing you know food and other necessary requirements so it is a way for the US to state that you know we want to get things done our way and we don't care if it's going to have you know regional implications or not 
if we if you're going to you know uh, be a person who's who could uh, you know essentially harm our allies we are not really happy about it it's one way of you know putting that across but it's also about the influence you know a person has over the other for example uh, mbs or namoud bin salman uh, the crown prince of saudi arabia was in the us not long ago and you know uh, uh, benjamin netanyahu the israeli prime minister even had a video telecast of what he felt was how the iranian enrichment was failing though the video that he made was for information that was before the deal being struck but still it's influence that a person has so the close proximity to the us president of uh, both benjamin netanyahu and you know uh, the saudi crown prince you know pushed the us president to take this decision quicker than or no sooner than later uh, you know though you know the european powers including uh, germany france and the uk tried to you know reason out with uh, the american president i think the relationship that he has with those leaders from the middle east outweighs the relationship he has with the european leaders so i think it's also the question of personal proximity and relationship that has actually played into how this scrapping of the deal has come from the united states when i mean scrapping of the only the us is scrapped we need to be very clear that the other five members that were originally part of the deal along with iran are still part and are willing to continue with this deal is and do you think russia would uh, would get involved in uh, iran's favor with this regard as you mentioned the, the us is uh, kind of uh, following its its ally israel and also saudi arabia with their with their recommendations in this regard do you think uh, russia would take a a strong stance as they have taken in in syria for example to protect their allies that would happen in case israel directly attacks iran you know the question of you know attacking troops you know elsewhere is a different story and it's also about establishment establishment of facts so uh, with the syrian situation it's slightly different of course it's a bit tumultuous there's always this uh, cause for minor breakout of a skirmish of some kind but russia usually plays it quite safe i mean if there is a real threat to russian interests in iran then yes they will get involved but at this point i don't see any real threat to russian interests either in iran or in syria so at this point russia won't get involved and to be honest we need to understand that china is actually a bigger trading partner with uh, iran china is the largest importer of iranian oil and they are also the largest trade partner uh, with iran followed by india so it's not just a question of russia chinese trade will also get affected because of this uh, deal to an extent but that's a way to watch i mean even when there were sanctions with uh, us un and the eu uh those sanctions that excluded un sanctions russia and china were still free to deal with iran where the un sanctions were not in place so there's a difference i mean if it's un sanctions everybody is bound to follow but if it's a sanction by one country or group i mean a, a, another country others need not follow those sanctions so uh, it's a question of how this will work but the problem is actually for the european companies because they have you know basis most of them usually also trade with the US so the US sanctions will affect you know the european companies more than you know russian and chinese companies yes this this seems highly reasonable to be honest 
And uh, we heard uh, comments by the by the Iranian government that uh, in case the deal the deal would get completely scratched by by all all the members, they told that they they would proceed with the uh, uranium enrichment and with the development of nuclear weapons. Do you think uh, it could be it could be possible? And does Iran still has the capability to do so? I mean, Iran still has, but of course it won't be the same way that they were doing it earlier. Iran still has nuclear enrichment capacity, it's just that it's reduced. As I said, their enrichment capacity has been reduced to, reduced, you know, from 100% to, you know, just 2% now. So they have reduced the enrichment capacity by 98%, but they still have the enrichment capacity. And, you know, they have an educated population where, you know, they could actually use their scientists to start moving from you know nuclear energy to nuclear arsenal it might not be at the same rate that they went before 2009 but it is very possible because until 2003 their ambition for making nuclear arsenal was very visible and then various negotiations made sure that they reduced that ambition by 2009 they, you know, they said they're enriching only for, you know, energy purposes. And this deal made sure that they're really using it only for energy purposes. What happens is that if everybody scraps the deal, it is not in favor of anyone because Iran could then stop providing access to the IAEA to have any inspection at all, which means you don't, you will not know what's happening behind closed doors. So, and that's when, you know, the question of whether war will start or whether somebody will be, that is when that starts happening, you know. Uh, some of the hawks in the US government will, you know, trigger and say, yes, we should, you know, start going after Iran. But if that's the case, an already destabilized region will uh, cause more problems. Indeed, it does not sound to be reasonable for for the deal to be completely scratched as you mentioned that the access would then be completely denied and and the issues and concerns would be even more raised in the region and particularly with regard to Israel and the US as you mentioned as well how do you think the the with regard to the balance of power within this region do you think this could be a a game of balance of power actually what has been currently carried out by I mean, it is a game of, uh, you know, powers, I don't know, balancing of powers as such, but it is a game between powers, game of powers, game by powers, the same thing for democracy, it's just that you just change it to powers, it will work very well. So, uh, and it is, it is what it is. For example, there is a need for, or, you know, Israel... Uh, and Saudi Arabia are, you know, making sure that their interests are being addressed by the U.S. Iran, on the other hand, you know, is trying to, you know, spread out its wings. It is Iran was becoming more assertive as well because earlier Iran was not sending its troops directly to any of the conflicted regions. You know, they're playing proxy wars. You know, by in case by providing arsenal or something like that. that has changed to actually sending troops and training troops. For example, in Iraq. Uh, Iranian contingents and you know the Iranian general was one of the key training propagators and you know key heroes in uh, changing the tide in favor of the Iraqi government in uh, Baghdad. So it, that is a change. Of course, Iran has always supported Hezbollah, but now uh, Iran has got 
troops on the ground in Syria. So that's a change. Though Iran has not committed to any troop involvement in uh, Yemen, you know, I don't think if it would have been that too far off to assume that some of the leadership of the Houthi rebels were, you know, being trained by uh, Iran. Uh, Fahim wants to yeah, uh, about the uh, question followed by Roberts. I, I would say that the, this is the game of power, as uh, Raghav already mentioned. But as we all know that uh, uh, Saudi Arabia is the big uh, trade partner of uh, US as well. And on the other hand, uh, the relationship between Israel and uh, US is really close be- between each other. And Israel already had these uh, nuclear weapons. So, provide, they are provided by the US. So uh, with this balancing of power that... Uh, Israel wants to make sure that uh, Iran does not have uh, any kind of nuclear weapons which they can use in in future against uh, Israel. So so that's why there is uh, this development. It happened that uh, the deal also was this main concern to uh, Iran does not uh, develop their nuclear weapons, but also because of Israel. Israel does not wants to be Iran should be a uh, can have this uh, weapon so they wants to mm, make sure that Iran wouldn't do anything against uh, Israel in future and uh, another to add to the proximity relationship between the countries uh, Mohammed bin Salman took a drastic stance and said we don't mind having to move our embassy to Jerusalem and I mean of course US president was willing to do that and they're going to do it sometime this month, but it was actually a surprise when you know uh, a Saudi crown prince will actually agree to those terms. So you know the proximity between I think Israel and Saudi Arabia is also growing. Traditionally, states that are un, you know are against each other, they have a certain amount of animosity, and all of a sudden this comes up. So as you can see, you know sometimes your enemy's enemy becomes a friend. So that is what has happened in this scenario. So the relationships are essentially to have one side and the other side. So, yes. Thank you. We should now turn slightly to the, to the domestic implications of, uh, of, this, of scrapping this deal in Iran. Do you think it could have uh, kind of influence on the Iranian government? Somehow. Yes, I mean, I've also briefly touched upon this earlier when I said about how the hardliners have gained or have an upper hand now. Yes, which means that, you know, the hardliners and conservatives in Iran who are against any Western involvement or, you know, who are against the way Western governments work or neoliberal economies work, they will be really happy that this deal has been scrapped. So it is actually a big headache for the current president in Iran. Mr. Rahani will have to convince them that at least the other five are still on board. And, you know, it was one of the things, the nuclear deal was one of the things that prompted Mr. Rahani to have a landslide victory. So if this deal goes off, you know, the moderates in Iran are at, will have a big, you know, as is called, you know, losing face, uh, you know, they lose a lot of face when this happens. And what will happen if the, you know, the conservatives or the hardliners gain 
control of you know the Iranian government is you know we might have more hardened uh, external policies as well right now there's a moderate government so they're still in a sense making sure that you know Iran is not going all out and supporting its uh, cause so if the hardline has come we could also have we could also see a hardened stance from Iran as well so if you briefly look at how uh, the deal or scrapping of the deal has happened it has uh, actually made sure that the hardliners have gained a lot of ground in iran okay then we should uh, could you please both comment uh, slightly on uh, kind of uh, the future speculations about the region how do you believe the the issue would resolve do you think the deal will be completely scratched? I, I, I think Fahil, let uh, him go first and then... I'll I, I say that uh, Western powers, uh, Russia and China, wants to keep that deal because they are also willing to keep that deal and Mr. Rouhani, he already uh, wants to keep that deal with other powers. But, but the thing is that uh, if we see the other internal conflicts in Iran, the other powers, as Raghav already mentioned, that they are quite happy that the US already pulled out from this deal because they can say that uh, we are already saying that uh, we are not going to trust with on US but uh, now the results are there so we have to see in future how the elections will will be or the results of election in Iran will be either uh, Mr. Rouhani will be in power in again or uh, other parties if uh, President Rouhani will not be in power, so I think there will be more concern about this deal. So maybe uh, uh, Iran can pull out from the deal and they can start uh, developing their uh, nuclear programs or uh, nuclear arsenal weapons. But uh, uh, I, I would say that uh, the deal should be uh, still keep going on between all these uh, Western powers and Russia and China. And we need to see uh, how it happened in upcoming future yes and the question is you know will mr rahani will even stand uh, until the next election or will he even be the president until next election you could have an in- internal political upheaval that says okay thanks for your work but uh, you know your thing has not worked so please make way for the next one who will work with us and work the way we want to so i don't think we even have to wait for the next elections that's one and the question about the wider implications as such, I mean, one thing is we can see it as who are the winners and who are the losers as of today. Uh, Donald Trump's, uh, you know, announcement has made sure that Israel, Saudi Arabia and, uh, you know, the hardliners in Iran have won. And the people that are essentially lost out of this deal are, you know, uh, the moderates in Iran, uh, the US, UK, sorry, not the US, the UK, France and Germany, because they were the ones that, you know, uh, had to fall out with the US, uh, are essentially the losers. The US is a story where Mr. Trump has had a personal victory in the sense he has won back his electorate to an extent, but the US businesses you know, already reeling from all the trade impact and trade sanctions or, you know, 
withdrawals that the U.S. has made with China and other countries. Uh, this will just add uh, to the burden on U.S. businesses as well. So we've got clear winners and clear losers as of this day. But we have to wait and watch how this will develop. Will there be a change of heart? Will there be you know, strategic differences in how uh, in the allies will work? How, you know... Uh, you know, the not-so-allies and not-so-friendly terms uh, get developed. So it's a wait-and-watch, but, you know, a key incident for a key, you know, uh, uh, region of the world. So we have to wait and watch how the world looks at this and how the world will develop along with this. Thank you to both of you, and uh, we have addressed quite a wide spectrum of this of this uh, conflict and uh, of this... Uh, of the issues uh, connected with the deal, and uh, as you both rightly mentioned, we should uh, we should follow the the recent developments and see how how the scrapping of deal will evolve and w- would it actually be scrapped. Thank you to our listeners, and uh, we'll see you next time.